0: Hello, and welcome to The Noah Gaunt Show. I'm your host, Noah Gaunt. Today is August 17th, 2020. Got a lot of good stuff on the show today. A lot of stuff happened over the weekend. So let's jump right in. Uh, First and foremost, as I'm sure many of you are aware already, uh, Robert Trump, the younger brother of President Donald Trump, died over the weekend at age 71, The President tweeted out over the weekend, It is with a heavy heart I share that my wonderful brother, Robert, peacefully passed away tonight. He was not just my brother, he was my best friend. He will be greatly missed, but we will meet again. His memory will live on in my heart forever. Robert, I love you. Rest in peace. So, obviously some sad news from the White House. Uh, Robert Trump, of course, is the youngest of all of Trump's siblings. Uh, and he, as well as Trump, got invested in his father's real estate business to earn his uh, wealth. The exact cause of death is unknown. It's been officially stated that he was ill for months. Uh, There has been some speculation that it was somehow coronavirus-related, but like I said, it's speculation only. The implications of it actually being coronavirus-related would be huge, and I'm sure that Democrats would love to take every chance to use that as political fodder against Trump and his coronavirus response, which we all know has been lackluster. I say this because, as you know, former Republican presidential candidate Herman Cain uh, tragically died of coronavirus a few weeks ago, and much of the left's response was to use his death, in my opinion, as a political tool to once again highlight the direness of the pandemic and the Republican mishandling of the pandemic. Joe Biden, following this, took to Twitter to say, Mr. President, Jill and I are sad to learn of your younger brother Robert's passing. I know the tremendous pain of losing a loved one, and I know how important family is in moments like these. I hope you know that our prayers are with you all. Uh, Joe Biden, obviously referring to the tragic death of his son, Bo Biden, uh, due to cancer. In other news, the president is continuing to try to disenfranchise as many voters by suppressing vote-by-mail as possible, It was just announced this Saturday that the Postal Service plans to remove 671 high-volume mail processing machines. This is now becoming a trend as we lead up to the election, as it was announced earlier this month that post office workers will not be allowed to have overtime. It's pretty clear what's happening here. Trump understands that more liberals than Republicans are likely to vote by mail, so he's doing everything he can to disenfranchise voters by mail. And it's a sad thing because many people can't actually make it to the polls because they're at risk for coronavirus. So this is Republican disenfranchisement at its finest. I I hope that the irony is not missed on Republicans that they often talk about standing up for the little guy and are extremely pro-democracy when they try everything they can to stop people from voting. Meanwhile, it's the socialist liberals that are going to take away democracy and enact communism in America if we elect certain left-leaning politicians, right? I'm fortunate enough to live in a state where mail-in voting is already a reality, and it has been for years now, uh, Washington state. But I know not everyone has that privilege, which is why, if you can, I would recommend to register to vote as soon as possible and request a mail-in ballot if your state is operating under that system as soon as possible. Another thing Trump said this weekend is that if we have mail-in voting, it could potentially take years to learn who won the election. That's ridiculous. There's no possible way that it would take years. And even if it does take a week or two longer than normal, I'm fine with that personally. We're in the middle of a pandemic. We can't expect everything to be normally the way it is. And there's no problem in waiting a week. The president isn't formally elected until months after November anyways, so it doesn't really matter. In world news, massive protests continue in Minsk, the capital of Belarus, to protest against President Alexander Lukashenko, who is now on his sixth term. The protesters are rightfully pointing out that the elections have been completely rigged and that Belarus has essentially degraded into a dictatorship. For our YouTube audience, if you look to the screen now, you can see that protest, uh, a picture of it. Uh, You can see that there are tens of thousands gathered in very close quarters. Uh, Obviously, this poses a risk for coronavirus, but as we've seen throughout the world recently, protests uh, are more important in people's minds, in many cases, than protective coronavirus measures. In many ways, these protests are important, as Belarus cannot allow a dictatorship to run reign over their country. Uh, It is just unfortunate that these protests have to happen now, of all times, in the middle of a pandemic. In more positive news, the Kenyan government has recently come out with the statistic that their elephant population has doubled in the last 30 years. This is very good news and is a result of many people's efforts in things like trying to crack down on the illegal ivory trade setting up nature refuge monitoring populations and it's great to see some good news come out of kenya in an ecological sense i'd like to shift gears now and talk about the 2020 election uh nate silver recently has come out with new election data Uh, Nate Silver is obviously the acclaimed statistician that deals with uh, US presidential elections. Uh, He is most known for his work on 538 and his election predictions. He recently came out with some stats that say Joe Biden has a 71% chance of beating Donald Trump. What's interesting is that Nate Silver gave Hillary Clinton a 71% chance of beating Trump in 2016. So I'm sure you can use that information to form your own skepticism on the issue. All right, I'm going to open up the lines now. If you have a question, want to call into the show, please give me a call and uh, I'll answer your question the best of my ability. All right, and who do I have the pleasure of speaking with?
1: This is Brogan from Washington State.
0: Hi, Brogan. What's your question? I had a question about homelessness in uh, the Seattle area. Uh uh-huh, go ahead.
1: Uh, so what do you think we should be doing to solve the homeless crisis? I mean, on one hand, we have people that think that we should be giving them more opportunities and giving them supplies to, I guess, how you would say, extend their uh, lifetime in homelessness. And I don't know, on the other hand, you have the idea that we should push them out of the city uh, and we should have police come in. And to me, that seems a little bit uh, authoritarian. I just wanted to know, from your perspective, what do you, what's
0: your take on this? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, what I always do to think about it is I, I look at the correlation uh, between homelessness and drug addiction and alcohol abuse. I think that's really the number one place to start. We need to be giving more resources for people to try and get off these drugs and, uh, and stop dying from these drugs. I'm actually a supporter of safe uh, shoot-up zones. Uh, for heroin use and and the stuff like that, Uh, because people really do depend on these drugs, and they're going to be doing them uh, whether we want them to or not. So I think that we should be focusing more on seeing these drug addictions and alcohol abuses as um, sicknesses and not as burdens on our society, and we need to start giving more resources to uh, help people through that. And uh, I think that's how we will really start uh, to... Drive the homelessness population down, and I, I know because I've been up to Seattle a few times. I, I know there's a, a large homeless population up there. I, I don't know. Are, are you from Seattle yourself? Well, I'm actually from the Greater Tacoma area,
1: and uh, like you, I have been up to Seattle uh, more than a few times, and uh, I have, again, you know, firsthand seen the homeless uh, problem that we have. And to the most part, I've interacted with a lot of them actually, and they seem very genuine, and they, they seem very nice and polite, and. Uh, not, not, not too much of a problem, in my opinion. I can see, though, there are sections of the city where, quote-unquote, the jungle, as it's referred to, uh, and I see that as a
0: more of an issue than, you know, your common street peddler. So you would be in favor of removing uh, uh, tent cities and the jungle, as you refer to it? Would, would you be in favor of a forcible remove, m- removal and disbursement? necessarily be in favor of a forceful removal. That seems too excessive, but kind of what you were saying, where you have these safe injection sites, and uh, you give them more opportunities than just to stay where they are, uh, and the end goal for them is just to be in a tent, and live in a tent, and live the rest of their life in a tent. Uh, I don't think that's productive to society. So,
1: forceful? No, but I think that uh, we could have people go in there who mean you say forceful i think like police would go in there and remove them i think we should not have the police go in there i think we should have sort of social workers i guess go in there because uh my dad is actually a social worker and he uh has worked with some people who have been homeless and have lived in tents and so the way he approaches that is just uh give them as many resources as they can to elevate their standard of living and you know get out of living in a tent getting out uh You know what I mean? Get a job and then get a place to live and
0: get their life, like, going again. Well, that has given us a lot to think about. Thank you so much for calling in. And uh, that is going to wrap it up for the Noah Gaunt Show. Uh, Today is August 17th, 2020. I hope you all have a great week.